You're listening to the Thomas Talk Podcast with Josh and John. You can listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, and SoundCloud. This is, I I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, Some pretty horrible news coming out of the world, like just even a couple hours ago. This is, um, you guys are hearing this a few days later. Um, so it might be old news to you now, but, but but the time that we're recording this right now, uh, this news is like, I don't even know if it's like five hours old. Uh, it's pretty recent, uh, that the storyteller for Thomas, the tank engine and friends of like two decades, 14 seasons, Michael Angelis passed away today, um, is just tragic and it's really struck a chord with so many Thomas fans all over the world. I mean, we didn't really have him too much in this side of the world. I'm in Canada. John's in the States, but I had the new friends for Thomas DVD and yep. I just, his, his narrations on that were so iconic to me. And to me, like when, you know, when he just came in and he was a new voice to me, I didn't even think twice about it. It was almost just like a natural fit. Like it just was, it just fit as it was. I don't know how that process mm-hmm. was like for you. Well, it was definitely before I had gotten onto the internet and started, you know, seeing, I first became aware of his narrations probably through people's uh, remakes because they would use the UK audio. And I made the connection like, oh, that's the guy I had heard before. Um, but I, I, you know, when I had that DVD, I was young. I didn't, I didn't know there was another whole other world out there of Thomas that sounded completely different. But you know, one thing, one thing that I've been thinking about, I had this funny memory um, where when I was little, I had no concept of what a season of a show really meant, and so I, uh, I thought that the narrators defined the seasons. So Ringo Starr was season one, George Carlin was season two, Alec Baldwin was season three. And then Michael Brandon would have been season five, and right in between was Michael Angelis with a very, very short season four for some reason. Um, and obviously, obviously that's not true, but especially given that Michael Angelis did so much more outside of the U.S. But, you know, I as a little kid thought that a new narrator meant a new season. They, they defined an entire era of Thomas the Tank Engine and Mike, Michael Angelis. I, I didn't think that it was just like a guest thing. I thought this was, okay, this is the new era, you know? Well, I mean, definitely every narrator is an era. And, you know, the world right now is in so much pain. We're all going through our own struggles. We're going through challenges that we've never had to go through before. Um, and what I would actually encourage people to do is to kind of, you know, escape from that and to take themselves out of it for a bit. Just turn on an Angelus narration and the world will suddenly become a nicer place. He'll transport you into this wonderful land. Um, and that is the gift he's left us all. And I'm so grateful for the contributions he's made to Thomas and the effect that he's made on so many people's lives. Uh, he is going to be truly, truly missed. And we have someone here as well. Uh, Geo, who has his own memory of Michael Angelis that I'd like to invite him to share at this time as well. So first, I just want to quickly just say thank you for having me on, of course. But uh, 
to kind of just start off, I actually, I actually technically had an Angelus experience uh, before um, New Friends for Thomas, I believe, even came out. Um, back in, I think it was at least what this is telling me, this was released back in 2002, I got it in like 2003, was um, a CD called Thomas's Train Yard Tracks. And what's weird about most of these tracks is that they come from another Thomas CD release. They come from an audiobook release called Thomas and the Best Kept Station Competition, which in between the songs would feature narration by Michael Angelis telling a story. What was interesting is that before the start of some of the songs, specifically on track three, Come for the Ride, also known as Rockin' on the Railway, there's this short clip of Michael Angelis before the song starts, and you just hear him going, what an adventure. And for the longest time, that's always confused me because obviously, you know, I didn't know who Michael Angelis was. I, as, as a young kid, I didn't really make that connection once New Friends for Thomas was released. That was the same guy. But I was always confused to what that voice was. And then, like, as I got older, I, I found out. I was researching Thomas stuff, as, as all older people do. And then I finally found out about that release. And I remember having a bit of almost, I wouldn't say closure, but having a bit of, like, a moment of just going, huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of what I want to build off on this and what I want to talk about in this week's episode is, you know, Michael Angelis, of course, was the voice of many people's childhoods. And then in, in turn played a fact in inspiring so many Thomas fans to go and build a career off of what they're watching on the screen. Now, Gio, you've actually built a career partially inspired by your love for Thomas the Tank Engine. And, you know, that career is interesting because it's not, not many people in the fandom have taken this approach, but you run radio shows and you have one show called the geo show and another show called the jackson geo show um that air on local canadian radio stations and the geo show you interview people mainly canadian um who who are involved in tv and film production and sound production as well and kind of learn a little bit about the industry from them now you've also had a very special person on uh, who might also be on this podcast right now haven't you Yes, I have. He, he, I'll give you a hint. His name begins with a J. Uh, I'm not. Josh. Sadly, no. I think you mean John Hayes. Yes. Hi. Uh, actually, no. Uh, the interview was with uh, JJ the Jet Plane, not oh. John Hayes. Just oh, kidding. Yeah. yeah, it was him. It was him. It was <laughs> John. Okay, I thought so. I did the thing. We had fun. Exactly. But uh, so... Gio has had, you know, John probably knows Gio better than I do, um, but I know Gio as my replacement, mainly, because when we all went to Halifax, I had to leave early, and Gio, literally as soon as my my plane was wheels up, Gio's were, was wheels down, um, <laughs> and, you know, like, we just missed each other, and I, I was replaced by Gio, and I have no idea what happened after I left. Uh, maybe John can give some insight as to whether or not Gio was a worthy replacement. You know, there is there is no 
replacing either of you. It was fantastic to meet the both of you. It was it was it was fun times both sides. Oh, what a cheap answer. Hey, I'm okay. I'm being serious though. <laughs> I know. I love you both. It was like in Toy Story when he goes like, nobody's getting replaced. But then yeah. Woody eventually gets replaced. Well, okay. So what happened in Halifax after I left? Just think of the Tugs episode munitions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not quite. No. No. Because Josh was there for the fireworks show. So I, uh, just everything blew up. <laughs> In our minds, technically, yes. But let's talk a little bit about your radio career. Um, and you know, was is did Thomas really play any part in you going and deciding to start a career in radio? Well, technically, yes. Um. It's a bit weird to describe, but I'll try to do it the best I can. Um, it, it really did stem from watching it, not as a kid, but as like kind of like a pre-teenager almost. And it's like, it was almost the age when I started watching stuff. And then anything I would watch, I would question, how did they make that? How would this be accomplished? And Thomas would be just the main thing I would just like kind of, I'd be glued to when I was watching it because I'd always, I always had this thing in me questioning how were things done? How did they achieve uh, certain things in the show? And just like in general, I was just fantasized by production. And as mentioned before, it did stem into what it did like stem into what I'm interested in doing today because I love to talk to people involved in production, in TV production, in audio production, in film production, in even documentary production. Well, that kind of fits into those other two. But it it's really been interesting to hear from people who actually have worked on these shows and movies and stuff and actually hear how things are done directly in their point of view. Like not a Wikipedia article describing how something was done by someone else. Actually hearing someone who is doing something hands-on um, in a production of a show. So who have you interviewed that's notable other than John? <laughs> now, of course, John being the top-tier interview from my show, which is... <laughs> Headlining everything. He's so top tier, he runs this show with me. Exactly. He was, was, I I remember Josh submitted his uh, resume for the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's mostly been involved with Canadian television and also some international production um, of one of the uh, key interviews, one of my uh, biggest, I guess one of my favorite interviews was with... uh, an animator and I guess uh, television creator, uh, Stephen Holman. And he was responsible for uh, creating one of the segments from the Nickelodeon show Kablam, that being Life with Loopy. And he's done, worked on uh, a ton of other TV productions as well. It was really cool to talk with him. Uh, another interview was, uh, was with uh, a documentary maker and a musician named Gino Samuel. And uh, he's most known for producing a documentary on Chris Chan, uh, the internet legend. Um, and then I've talked to a lot of Canadian voice actors. Um, one particularly of note uh, was uh, my first interview uh, with Adrian Truss. And he's done a ton of uh, voice acting roles, a lot of he's an improv actor as well. Um, 
he particularly was um, one of the lead roles on the uh, Roly Polioli cartoon that used to be on um, CBC and Disney Channel. Oh, nice! And uh, I do have a I do have a few more. Sadly, I, I'm I. Uh, they're not coming to mind, uh, but um, I do have a YouTube channel where I'm I'm slowly I'm slowly going to be posting these, and then I'm might I'm planning in future to release the the show in a podcast format. But they've mostly been made for radio. Nice, it's so cool that Thomas can kind of inspire so many people to get involved in production just simply because as kids we're sitting there watching and going, oh cool, how did they make this? Um, and trying to figure it out and recreate it ourselves. I mean, that's a huge reason why I'm now working in the film industry. Um, John, I, I can't remember if it's part of your inspiration too. Yes, Thomas. But that that was that was before like YouTube, really. I mean, I got started making videos on the little little tape camera, and I actually got really good at not editing, editing where like start and stop at just the right time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Thomas. But actually, even before actually. Oh man, I haven't dug into these memories in a while. Before Thomas, it was Wallace and Gromit because I was oh, really dear. Into stop motion. So Wallace <laughs> and Gromit, I would say more so. Wallace and Wallace and Gromit is the reason I started making videos. Thomas is probably the reason I kept doing it, and then Theodore Tugboat is the reason I got into music. I remember so it the, all ties together. The train chase, Wallace and Gromit, the train chase. I love oh, that class. That stuck with me, not because it was a train, but because that's just such an iconic, well done scene of that yeah. franchise. And that was the like, first one that I had. That was the only tape that I had for the longest time. Was uh, the wrong trousers. And uh, in wow. my opinion, that might be the best one. But did you ever do a stop motion animation? Oh yeah, tons, tons. It was all. It was really janky because I found out like literally only a couple of years ago that the camera I was using all along had like a one frame advance feature. Now this is on tape, <laughs> so but it had a one frame advance feature. I didn't know that. So literally, what it was was did it move a little bit. Did it just like hit the button, like start, stop as fast yep. as you possibly can. Yep. And that, that makes the frame happen. So they're all a little janky and the whole time you can hear like clunk, 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 because the button's going. Yeah. Um, but oh yeah, I, I did tons and tons of stop motion. Oh geez. My mom used to send me to summer camp every year to do stop motion. Um, I remember that quite vividly. Like they gave us these little <laughs> webcams that were made of Lego and uh, oh. we had like Lego pieces oh, yeah. and everything. And they taught me, you know, I used to bring in my Thomas trains to do stop motion with Thomas trains. I remember the first one I did, I cut out, out of cardboard paper, Thomas, Lady, and Diesel 10. And I did the chase scene over the viaduct um, using those cutouts. I was like six, so it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> but I remember someone actually like came in and taught me, he's like, hey, do you want to know how to add steam to the trains? Uh, and like showed me how to open up the frames in Microsoft Paint and like edit them that way. That was kind of cool. A few of those videos might still exist on my Cali fan channel. Um, but. I was about to say, is is this a lost media wiki case? Is it a lost media wiki case file? <laughs> the lost Cali uh, fan tapes. No, nope. don't give them any more Thomas things to look for, please. <laughs> Geo, you just Geo knows so much about not just Thomas but children's entertainment and children's. Archival more than anything. I now you're a little robots fan. Uh, you got oh, that God, stuff figured yes. out. 
Um, you know, that's a, a relic from my childhood. Um, but, you know, we're going to see what you can think of exactly. Because we're talk- we talked a bit about Halifax, and you know, now we're talking about uh, your knowledge of Thomas and kids' shows and everything. So John's going to help us play another game here that kind of ties into that. Yes, sir. All right. So we're going to be playing a little bit of Mad Libs, but we like to play it with a little bit of a twist because we gave Geo basically Mad Libs without the context. I only gave him a list of you have to have a noun, pronoun, adverb, noun, adjective, blah, blah, blah. And he had to just come up with all the words with no context. And now for the very first time, we're going to read the story to him. So Josh, Josh is going to read the story and I am going to read Oh words boy! That get filled in so that you know, you know what's part of the original and what did Geo create, and uh, you know, related to Thomas or Tugs if possible. But you know, you can do whatever. And so, without further ado, we are going to learn how you take a vacation Sodor style. You ready, Geo? You ready to hear this uh, story? This this incredible piece of art you've created. I can't wait. <laughs> I am a bit worried that somebody is going to find this, dig it up in five, ten years from now, and cancel me with it. Lay it on me. Okay. (laughs) You've taken that chance. Okay, here we go. A vacation is when you take a trip to some... Meaningless... Place with your... Fragile... Family. Usually you go to some place that is near... Sir Robert Norrenby. Or... Merchandising opportunities. A good vacation place is one where you can ride... Trains... Or play... Button Bedford. Or go hunting for... Trucks. I like to spend my time... Swimming. Or... Singing. When parents go on a vacation, they spend their time eating three... Tugboats. A day. And... (laughs) And fathers play golf. And mothers sit around... Slapping! (laughs) Yeah, you're right, Gio. Gio, you're getting cancelled. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Last summer... My little brother fell on Sir Lohan hat and got poison. The flower phones in Magic Railroad. <laughs> parents need vacations more than kids because parents are always very beautiful. And because they have to work 130 hours every day all year making enough Thomases to pay for the vacation. Well, Thomas can be, I guess, a profitable venture. Um, if, yes, if you try and sell some stuff, have you, have you ever had a, a brother fall on Sir Loam hat and get poisoned the flower phones and oh, magic railroad? Just, just every day, just every day. It's so annoying. I mean, all the time, man, you know, <laughs> what are your reactions to that story, Gio? Um, I, I'm very excited to play button Bedford. I'd also <laughs> like what, to what add is, that. What is button Bedford? It's you from Theodore. What? Come on. Oh, is you that one they had? What? Okay. Okay. Explain this to me. In in the episode uh, Bumper Buddies, which was uh, one of the few episodes that were, um, that were actually put online in the early days, um, the episode starts off with uh, Theodore and Foduck playing this game. They yell, Button Bedford, and they all... Uh, flow down the water. And then the thing is, they Theodore and Foduck race 
to Bedford Bowie and the first one there wins and they button Bedford. So they hit Bedford. And then that leads to the plot of the story. I'm not going to spoil a 25 plus year old Theodore Tugboat episode. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, but how do humans play button Bedford? You just swim really fast. Like hey, are you being, are you being discriminatory? I can play if I want. One of the funny parts is the uh, the Sir Loham hat part. That was originally going to be the original thing I put there was uh, Mr. Rails, which is the iconic character, from <laughs> the hit children's TV series Underground Ernie, featuring Gary Lineker. But I changed it to Loham hat at the last minute because I thought no one would get it. But I know Mr. Rails <laughs> never fails. One of he my does not fail. favorite videos from the Halifax trip is all of us on the balcony without you, Geo, because I was still there singing the underground Ernie theme. Oh, beautiful. I've seen it. Victoria and I, I recorded it for Snapchat, and but I had no idea what it was. Hammersmith and City, City too. You know, it's just such a good song. Oh, de- I agree. It's 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 if it had better animation, I think it'd be a much uh much more prolonged uh, program. Yeah, I agree. Now, so you you are an expert in so many kids shows, as we talked about. What are other kids shows that you really, really like? Well, for one, I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe I'll get trashed for calling this a quote unquote kids show, but of course, uh, Tugs, which is almost like I would describe as a more matured Thomas the Tank Engine, right, is definitely one that I've I've found and i've loved and i remember it's tugs was almost tugs and theodore were kind of like the floodgates that opened up and let me accept this stuff because as a weird thing thomas was something i never really and maybe this is a bit embarrassing to say but it was something i never really grew out of because um it kind of just stayed with me but it was just like at a very like I guess not an, an an obsessive or like an even like huge interest for me. Like it kind of like my, my love for it kind of dropped down like around like maybe when I was six or seven years old, but it's like, I still watched like if some, if it was on TV, like, I don't know, they, they used to air um throwback for all the OG Canadian Thomas fans when they'd air single episodes on treehouse and you'd have to like be lucky to catch it between other shows or um same on tvo when they would just like i remember taping it off tvo that's my proudest achievement (laughs) but uh um that was the thing like it was just it was kind of there and you know occasionally like i remember one key memory is like when whiff was introduced you know i remember just saying oh there is whiff and then like for my birthday suddenly he showed up and it was like oh that's pretty cool but it was it's kind of like that i was never really that into it but then around 2012 is when i started like you know not never really left me but the interest started peaking up again and then eventually i found tugs i was like this is really good and i'm surprised and then I found Theodore and I said, this is also very good. I'm surprised. And then from that, it led off into other shows. I, I got into the uh, stop motion animated Fireman Sam series. And then I got in. Well, I got into Joshua Jones first and I got into hmm. Fireman Sam. And then from that, I got led into um, uh, Postman Pat for that was a very short thing. And then from that, I got into I was basically getting into the whole uh, British children's television. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it particularly, 
I hit um, Theodore again, but at the same time, I also hit a show called Naughty, which uh, is a Canadian adaption of a British television show. And I remember finding uh, Naughty among other shows, uh, among other Canadian television shows. And there was just something about this specific um, program that just said to me, it felt so Canadian. <laughs> like it was adapting a British source, but the show itself felt had a Canadian thing to it. And then from that, I started researching into Canadian television, specifically Canadian children's television. And then from that, I got into stuff again, Theodore again, he, he you know, obvious Theodore's the number one, but then, you know, Theodore stuff like uh, Jacob Tutu monster by right. mistake. Um, and then from that, and then this is the one where it really got into the floodgates, into the like, I guess the more normy or more embarrassing territory is that I started looking up programs of, of shows, foreign shows that were dubbed in Canada by the same people who were doing other cartoons. So like, I was really, one of the big ones was a show called, and this is a bit embarrassing, but I absolutely love it, was a show called Hamtaro. And that was uh, really, um, I guess my gateway into anime embarrassingly enough and it's this is it's basically this uh children's show about these cartoon hamsters um these japanese cartoon hamsters and that was done in canada and my fascination from it didn't come from the show itself but came from the show oh this was done in canada so it's like it's technically a canadian production in a way but then that's leaded me into other things like uh sailor moon and card captors and uh uh, pretty cure and embarrassing stuff like stuff you wouldn't really talk about in public saying yeah i just watched uh um 23 episodes of pretty cure but it's like you know it's it it really interests me about how much stuff is really done here and how much the canadian entertainment industry is almost slept on uh because people people really underestimate how much stuff is comes out of here and then when they do realize what comes out of canada they're kind of like they look at the bad stuff like they just say oh canada what what have they made oh johnny test that's all i'll acknowledge and it's something i don't like so it's like among finding this i had this old original stigma that there's not a lot of good canadian tv programs in general but then like i was like I'm wrong, and I'm so happy I'm wrong, you know? Yeah. Hey, man, so, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. You're preaching to the exactly. choir. I get exactly what you're saying. Now, we are running out of time, and you know I could talk to you for hours, literally hours. Yes. Uh, I could talk to you both. We, the three of us could just have a, an evening together. Um, but Sounds like a future episode of the Geo Show. Maybe. Hopefully. Oh. Maybe. Maybe that's my invite. Um, but before we kind of wrap things up, I just want to ask the both of you, if your lives, you know, do you think your lives would be any different if you hadn't watched any of these kids shows or if these kids shows hadn't existed? If Thomas wasn't in our lives, do you think our lives would be different from where they are now? I would expect that I would be very boring, to be completely <laughs> honest. And I'm very like the thing is, you know, I occasionally have one of those thoughts that were like, what would it be like if like none of this happened? Like I didn't meet amazing people like you and John, or I never decided to research programs. Like what if I never, what if 
during that Thomas obsession, I never found Tugs or I never found Theodore or I never got into like the researching Canadian TV stuff. I always, I always think like that. And I always think I might be the same, but I feel like my life would be very different. And I just, it wouldn't be something I would, I would be happy with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How about you, John? Well, I think one of two things would have happened. Either if Thomas wasn't around, I just would have had nothing and been very boring, as Gio said. Or, and I feel kind of bad for saying this, but I, I, I might have gotten into something worse. <laughs> like some, some, something like a lot less understandable. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like some, something a lot more like, I, I don't know, like Teletubbies or something. <laughs> oh, like God. Like some, something that just doesn't translate at all to the normal person. That's like, They're just like, wait what <laughs> yeah yeah but anyways well thank you geo for coming on spending some time with john and i um glad i could make it as as underground ernie would say really i'm proud to be of service now mind that gap and, and don't, don't be, be nervous. nervous all right we'll see you all next time goodbye Ow. i'm nervous